Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Have you ever stumbled upon your true calling in the most unexpected way? Meet our guest, Joanna Welsh, who shares how she found her passion in risk management all while starting out in the world of molecular biology and genetic engineering. Her story is a testament to the power of serendipity and the importance of being open to unexpected twists in our career paths. Joanna proves that sometimes the best fit is found where you least expect it. Today, Joanna Welsh is Chief Risk Officer at Citadel and also chairs the firm's portfolio committee advising on risk tolerance levels for the strategies, businesses, and funds. Joanna highlights the importance of finding the right fit in terms of people and culture. She emphasizes the significance of not settling for a place that doesn't align with your values and goals and instead encourages us to seek environments where you can work with the best people in your field. So whether you're navigating your career or looking for ways to advance in your profession, Joanna's insights on taking risks and continuously learning from experiences will inspire you to step out of your comfort zone and embrace new opportunities. Tune into this episode and discover how finding the right fit can lead to greater success and fulfillment. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to our conversation for many months now. You've just got such an incredible uh, story, such an incredible career journey. And I think um, getting to know you personally, too, I think there's so much in there that's going to be hugely inspiring and instructive to our audience worldwide. So let's dive right into it. Want to start with uh, just getting into understanding your career path, you know, your uh, what was your path like uh, for your career in finance and ultimately risk management? Um, you know, did you, it's such a unique field and such a rare field to be in. Um, so did you know you wanted to be in this area and how did you kind of make your way there? It was very roundabout. Uh, it, <laughs> it was, it was actually not planned at all. Um, and I think, you know, a part of that was, I, I don't think, the UK finance world in the 1990s was, it just wasn't in the public consciousness or, or you know, it didn't capture the imagination of, of young people, I think, in the same way as Wall Street does in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not very many uh, Hollywood films made about, uh, you know, <laughs> the old lady of Threadneedle Street or, or working in the city. Um, so I, I followed my passion at university. Um, I was far more interested in molecular biology and genetic engineering. I didn't even know what financial engineering was. Um, but once I decided, you know, n- not not to do a PhD, I didn't have very strong feelings about, about any particular industry. So I joined uh, a top consulting firm, uh, mm-hmm. and this is where I was first exposed to finance uh, as, as a technology consultant. So one of my first roles was on the electronic trading platform of the London Stock Exchange. Um, mm-hmm. And my next was 
building risk management software uh, for an investment bank. Uh, and I think that was the point at which I, I knew this was what I wanted to do. But, you know, the risk management part, definitely not the technology, not the technology mm -hmm. consultant part uh, or the management consultant part. And, you know, you asked about you know what led me to to citadel um so if you're the a chief risk officer uh at a hedge fund your relationship with the chief investment officer who, who is usually the founder of the firm is extremely important um mm. and in hedge funds one thing you know that people may not be aware of is the founder also really defines the culture of the firm um mm -hmm. so i wanted to to go to a place with firstly a long history of success, uh, but also a place that was still growing, still innovating, and and still believing that their best years were, you know, were still were still to come. Um the first conversation I had with, with, with Ken Griffin made it it made a huge impression on me. It was it was thought-provoking, it was challenging, it was energizing. That that was the big sell uh for me. It was it was all about the people. It was about uh, you know the the connection I, I made very immediately with the people I met there. Oh, that's amazing, and it's always uh, such a joy to find that home, if you will, where you feel connection to the founder, the team, and the culture, and to be able to um, just fit in where you're thriving together. So I'm so uh, glad you found your way to Citadel, and how fascinating to go from your academic origins out here. Um, what were some of the challenges um, that you had to overcome as you progressed in your career? You know, it, clearly along the way, you've also switched lanes. You've gone from, you know, one path to a different one, different industries, as well as rising up in uh, to the role you have today. Um, when you consider the challenges that you've overcome, um, what advice would you give to uh, women who may hit similar roadblocks? Um, I think the first thing I would like to say on that topic is that roadblocks are not always bad. Um, mm. They can they can really drive your career forward. I think they did for me because they really they they, they test what you really want. Um, mm -hmm. As you know, we just. Just spoke about. I came into the finance world via consulting, so my my early career in banking, I, I was still working things out. Um, I was prepared to to move around a lot actually in the earlier part of my career until I found the right environment for me. Um, I had a lot of conversations with managers who were like, well, "What do you mean you're leaving? We just got your promotion. What do you mean you're leaving?" And it was I just didn't really, you know, to me, if I didn't, I have to be able to see something and. I am a very considered person. Uh, I think about things a lot, uh, but once I can see something, I'm very single-minded and I'm very determined. I'll go mm -hmm. after it and I generally prevail. But if I'm in a place and I just can't, you know, I, I just can't see the future. I, I can't sit down and like I make a picture of myself there, you know, at some further point in time. I'm I'm quite happy to, you know, to to do something about that. I mean, once I once I joined the buy side. Um, the first hedge fund I, I, I joined, I, I knew I'd found my fit. And, you know, what, what, what was it? Um, I wanted to work on interesting problems um, at a place with minimal bureaucracy, mm -hmm. uh, but also people who had a lot of skin in the game. 
uh, and even at a relatively early stage, I knew that that really wasn't, I wasn't going to find that in, in banking. So I'm, I'm actually very grateful that, you know, the opportunity to join a hedge fund arose at a pretty early point in my career. Although, you know, full, full disclosure, I didn't, I didn't really know how a hedge fund worked when, you know, when, when I joined one. Um, so look, I think if you hit a roadblock, um, don't, I would say don't settle, right? Don't settle. Mm. Don't try and rationalize all of the, like the good points of being in a place that's ultimately not right for you because it's highly unlikely that, that you're going to change it, especially if it's a very big organization. Um, and just don't underestimate the power of being around the best people in your field. I'd rather be the, the nth best person on a team of superstars than, than, the star person in in, a, in an okay team. Mm, I love that. That's a powerful statement, right? Because who you surround yourself with shapes who you become in the future um, and surrounding yourself with people better than you and, and all kinds of stars certainly helps you grow a lot faster. It does. Um, so we um, often hear that, uh, you know, women don't take as many risks in their career. And, um, you know, in fact, we in our work that we do at Beyond Barriers, one of the most common themes we hear about is this fear of switching lanes, you know, that I'm comfortable and successful in this industry or in this company. And um, even if there's an opportunity somewhere else, do I really risk it? You know, what if I fail? Um, as someone who manages risk for a living, how how what advice would you give in terms of how to analyze risk and and how to take risk and um how would you encourage other women to do the same um i think the first thing to say there is uh i'm the head of risk in a firm that takes risk for a living like that's <laughs> that's what we yeah. do uh yeah. <laughs> i i'm i'm surrounded by 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 risk by risk takers um if i think about the largest risks in our portfolio, in all of our funds, um, they're all backed by the same sorts of things. Um, a really thorough and detailed analysis of the opportunity, um, a really considered thought around the upside potential, what we see that others may not be seeing, um, but also, you know, what's the potential downside and, and how will we manage it? Because we're not always going to get everything right. And I would say that if, um, if you're making some sort of impactful decision every day and you're getting more right than wrong, uh, but you never start believing that you, you've got it all figured out because you never have, then how you yeah. think about risk uh, and how you perceive it and whether it becomes something you move towards or move away from, it, it, it's going to change. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it is going to change. You will develop the confidence to back yourself um, based on your results. And, and most importantly, what you learned through the experience of, of taking those decisions. There have been two pretty pivotal points in my career. Um, my first CRO role I took during December 2008 in the middle of a, of a full-blown crisis. Uh, and the second was becoming the CRO of Citadel, which is actually a much bigger role than I realized at the time. Um, and unlike a career in a large corporation, mine didn't have a smooth glide path. You know, you don't go mm. from being a, an associate to a VP to a senior VP. Da, 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 da. 
it my, my career had these 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 big jumps. So I guess mm-hmm. I've you know always just accepted that I'm never going to be a hundred percent prepared for big changes in life. But but that's okay um, mm-hmm. because a lot of what gave me those opportunities is is knowing how to assess the risk reward of things. Mm. So you stepped into things even when you weren't fully prepared or didn't have the experience to be ready for the roles that you stepped in, um, but had the um, experience and uh, the conviction to trust that you can figure it out and, yes. and have the support system and the environment that allowed you to do so. Yes, absolutely. And I think, look, it's uh, this is another, I think, reason why I, you know, I do want to come back to surrounding yourself with the best people. Uh, the, you know, the person who gave me uh, my quite very senior risk job in Tudor when I'd never worked in a hedge fund before, you know, clearly saw something that mm-hmm. they thought had tremendous potential to be accretive uh, to, to their company. And the same thing for Citadel. And, you know, to, to be around people who sometimes see things in you that you just don't even see for yourself is mm-hmm. it's really empowering. Uh, and um, it's, you know, it's, it's, to me, that that's what corporate leadership is really all about. Seeing that potential in someone before they can see it and then giving them the opportunity to step into that full potential. Yeah, and grow into it. Yeah, that's truly the definition of leadership, isn't it? You know, yes, it being is. Able to unlock human potential. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Well, you're uh, responsible for one of the most sophisticated risk management operations in the world, um, and yet that's not the field you started with. Uh, what has helped you become a leader in your field? Um, and given sort of, you, you mentioned even when you started with a hedge fund, you didn't even know what a hedge fund actually did, and so there was such a huge learning curve, I imagine, with so many different things that you have now. Uh, not only have you become the leader, but the firm is a leader in the industry. Um, how did you prepare yourself and push yourself as your role expanded? I have been around, you know, really, really, truly exceptional people. Um, not, not on the, you know, the the pure risk management side. Risk management is actually, it's usually a, it's a pretty small team. Um, so it's it's not as if you're going to have lots of you know necessarily if you come in at a very senior level lots of mentors around you who are experts mm-hmm. in value at risk or you know something like very niche to risk management. Um, but I've been around exceptional people on the investment management side, portfolio managers, people on the finance side, all sorts of policy experts. We have uh, mm-hmm. in whether it's economic policy. Um, whether it is, you know, future direction of um, of regulatory policy, and I've learned from from watching them and and from working alongside them, and you know that's part of part of the culture here. We we work very closely here as a leadership team. Uh, and best in class thinking in one area is quite often we you know we see how we can apply it to, to others. One of the things you know I remember through 
you know, when Lehman Brothers um, um, ceased to exist and we were in the really bad part of the global financial crisis, I just remember how fragmented everything felt. Uh, you, mm. you were dealing with people didn't exactly know where the positions were. They didn't know where they were with respect to one counterparty. The people in financing were necessarily, you know, very joined up with the people in risk management. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, here at Citadel who, you know, who went through all that. And our collective experience is something you can, you know, we can learn from. When COVID hit, for example, um, I remember being in a room with one of the co-CIOs uh, and this is when shutdowns were happening and the markets really started to move in a very, uh, very volatile way. And he turned to me and said, I remember how this was in 08. I know exactly what we need to do. And we just went about doing it. Um, I think also, look, starting my career in technology consultancy, it gave me a strong foundation that, that I, I didn't immediately appreciate. So I know how to engineer risk systems to provide people with a lot of analytical leverage, and that leverage drives mm -hmm. a lot of the debate. It drives, you know, it, it drives a lot of the conversations we have around risk with with with, with the risk takers in the firm. And you know, that's about like not more stuff, but better stuff. Mm. And uh, many people who visit Citadel as investors or other outside interests, they're always very surprised actually by by how small. Uh, my team is that they expect it to be two, three times the size. And, and Ken and I will always say, no, we, we have we have better people. We have better systems. We have better understanding. We just have better conversations. Um, mm. Now, you know, going back to sort of you know, preparing and pushing as your role expands, I, um, I don't really think of my role as expanding and me and my team having to, uh, you know, rush to fill in the, you know, the space that's opened up. Um, I have a, I have a vision of what I want my team to be doing, and so I think that I think of it as you know we're expanding our own frontiers, uh, mm. you know, based on the goals we have. Um, at Citadel, we look we have ambitious goals at Citadel, and, and we state them clearly. So, for example, a goal Ken made five or so years ago was to be the world's most successful investment firm. So that that's a lofty goal, but I, I think what's great about our company is we leave a lot of space for people to work out for themselves what it's going to take to get there. Um, that drives a lot of creativity. It, it fosters a very entrepreneurial, meritocratic culture. And that's the thing that ultimately develops strong leaders. Mm, I, I love that. Um, it's um, Can you perhaps share a little bit about how that unfolded for you and your team when you think about uh, being the world's most successful investment firm, you know, from when that initially was put out there and you mentioned sort of the autonomy and the creativity that individual teams have, um, how did that unfold on your team, for example? So in in my team, what I've been focused on when I arrived at Citadel um was really harnessing the power of technology, and what what does that mean? It's, it sounds like some you know some kind of trope thing to say, but but let's let's get into what it means a bit. My previous role, I, I was a risk team of one uh, in mm -hmm. London. I had colleagues in the US, but but essentially I was on my own for for big parts of the day in a very fast moving space, global macro. So 
switch the news on if there's ever anything happening then it's going to be moving a market and and we were you know all, always in the center of that so so what it meant was i had to learn very quickly how to isolate the things that matter and how to get information to the people who needed it in a very timely way um and when i arrived at citadel they they've always had excellent people but i don't i did, i felt that it didn't really empower the you know the 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 senior people to make decisions for themselves uh i would have to wait to be like served information um mm. and i kind of felt that, that it didn't really leverage my knowledge it mm -hmm. and it didn't allow um you know people like ken griffin uh to leverage their own knowledge either so what i said about doing was uh you know really to to, to overhaul the way we thought about our risk information the way um People can take a much more active role in the process as risk takers, putting lots of eyes on things. As a risk manager, the more eyes you can put on the things you're, you're, you're doing, the, the, the better. Uh, and that means it, you know, it, has to be a, it has to be timely. It has to get to you when you need it. It has to be easy to understand. You have to be able to query it to a certain degree yourself. You don't, the more you're dependent on other people, it just slows the whole process down. Mm -hmm. So we'd already you know, gone through this process of, of re-engineering what we do and how we do it you know, to really empower the users a lot more. Uh, that encourages more, more ownership by the risk takers, but it really started to drive some of the really deep conversations we were having. And the more you, the more deeply you understand a risk, the more you can examine it from, from different mm. perspectives, um, usually the better quality of risk that is, and ultimately the better quality of risk, the better quality of returns. Uh, mm. And that's just, that's just one of those small things that feeds into um, us wanting to be the world's best investment firm. I think yeah. the other thing is whether it is, you, you, you know, people people on this podcast won't see this today, but um, people at Citadel helping me, hey, let's make sure the audio on this podcast is really good. Let's make sure that somebody isn't yeah. walking past Joanna's office distracting her. Let's make sure. Whatever the smallest thing is in Citadel, yeah. let's make sure that when you print something, you know, it's not all blurry and like the blue colors run out or something. We are really obsessive about doing things as well as we can to the best possible way all the way through the firm. And I think like that culture is how you be, you know, is how you become the world's most successful investment firm. It's not just about getting trades, right? If you think that that getting more trades right than wrong is is you do that and and you've got there. There's way more to it than that. That's such powerful examples of, uh, thank you for sharing that. It, it gives such great insight into the culture of Citadel, but it's also instructive to uh, our audience to, uh, for the leaders listening to this, to recognize that the, you know, uh, harnessing the power of your talent in the organization really has to do with setting a very clear goal, uh, creating the uh, entrepreneurial environment where people can tap into their own creativity and have the autonomy to bring great ideas to life. Um, but aside from that, it's the execution excellence of how you operate on a daily basis uh, at an individual and a collective level that leads to great results. And what you have, uh, what the organization has achieved in the last uh, five years is truly awe-inspiring. Um, but behind that is all of these uh, set of principles that have enabled that to happen. 
It's, it's, it's an expectation. I think it's, you know, that's, if you had to sum up one word, we, ex we expect everything to be the best here, no matter what role you're playing um, in the firm. Mm. That's powerful. Um, so uh, in the past few years, there's been a lot of um, change in the nature of work as well as what um, you know, the work experience looks like uh, from the employee's perspective as well as from the organization's perspective. Um, Citadel has uh, been a leader in terms of returning to the office um, as well as relocating uh, recently. So what has that meant for you and your team? Well, firstly, it's not entirely accurate to describe us as a leader in, in, in returning to the office because we never treated work from home as the new normal. Uh, we mm -hmm. never treated work from home as any normal. Uh, normal for us is, is being together in the office, uh, is what we believe in because we believe it's essential for building careers. We believe it drives our success. So we've just had over 100,000 people last year, men and women, applying to our campus programs, applying to be part of what we're creating. Um, some of my teams, some of my direct reports, they were CROs, heads of risk at other funds, and they chose to leave that, you know, that title behind mm. to come and join Citadel uh, and to be the head of risk for, you know, for, for, for one of our businesses, some of, some of which, many of which are, are bigger than, than, you know, funds on their own. But for me, being in the office is, is, core to what I want to espouse about leadership. I, I just basically don't think it's fair for, for senior established people who probably gain the advantages of mentorship and human connections mm. um, to sit at home directing people via, via email and Zoom calls and, and to earlier career people, uh, especially in finance, being able, you know, being able to go to that mid-afternoon yoga class probably seems like a really good deal, but... Uh, it's not the path to a senior position in finance. And I know that sounds very uncompromising, but I think um, that that's, that's what I believe. And I believe our results give, give, give credence to that philosophy. Hmm. So uh, when you think about um, um, work-life balance in the context of that, and I, and I bring that up because work-life balance has always been a topic, um, particularly when it comes to, uh, you know, women and their careers. Um, but in more recent years, um, the nature of that has shifted because of hybrid work, remote work, and all of the flexibility. Um, how do you, you know, personally, I'm just curious about with such an important role likely a lot of travel uh, and a lot of high pressure days. How do you manage your responsibilities at work um, and at home and, you know, your personal interests and things like that? And, you know, has that in any shape or form changed because of uh, the COVID experiences? I think that if you want to know, if you want to understand what your priorities are in life what you value you should look at where you spend your time mm -hmm. and then ask yourself yeah. whether where you're spending your time is consistent with what you either want or expect out of life and so look uh i'm doing this role it's which is a demanding one at citadel 
which is a demanding place because I, I want to be the best at, at, at what I do. I used to do sport. Uh, I, I, it was quite serious. Uh, I was at a, a decent level. But you know, in, in sport and in my career, the thing I love most is winning. You know, mm. For me in sport, it wasn't the camaraderie. It wasn't, forget it, right? I love <laughs> winning. And, and that's, <laughs> that's a big driver for me. So yeah. I'm and not... now you're the Olympian of business, right? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, well, our firm is for sure. Our firm is, is, is definitely top of the podium. Um, so look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not lifestyle optimizing. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to work around people who are lifestyle optimizing. Um, I'm focused on what I want to achieve at Citadel and the rest of my time, um, I, an energy I want to spend on the people who make my life worth living, uh, you know, my spouse, my, my family. Are there other things I'm interested in in life? Yes. Uh, but, but they are seriously downweighted until I'm at a different point in my life right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, your point about, um, you know, you invest time towards your values and your priorities, um, being intentional about that is really the key. Because whatever, you know, in your case, you said you're not life lifestyle optimizing. Somebody else may choose to do that because that's what they value. Absolutely. But it's, it's really what is right for you, but be clear about that so that there's not a disconnect between saying, I value this, and yet not investing your time appropriately towards that. Or saying you value it, investing time, and then being regretful about it or resentful towards someone else about it. Take ownership of your choices, invest your time accordingly, and you'll lead a congruent life. That's right. Um, I want to talk about the power of relationships and in particularly professional networks. Um, you know, when we chatted, uh, you shared a bit about kind of uh, the incredible mentors uh, you've had in your career and how those relationships have led to one opportunity after the next. Um, Tell me a little bit about how uh, you've built those relationships and, and, you know, what is the key to really successful relationships um, and perhaps uh, expound on the, the dis difference between a loose connection versus a really powerful relationship, you know, in, in the age of LinkedIn, you know, there's a tendency to just hit the connect button and connect with lots of people, but there's no meaning behind it because there's not a real relationship that you can leverage or uh, a network you can gain or give to. So um, share your philosophy on relationships and networks. Sure. I mean, this, this one for me is actually, is it, is, it's a tough one, you know, because the visual association, uh, I think about the word network, I've got this picture in my head about socializing events <laughs> exchanging business cards and that is that's not me at all yeah. um and then yeah, you and i've talked about it we're both introverts and not networkers you know, no so. but but then i you know I, you kind of think about this a bit a, a bit harder about that work you know networking and and the, the simple fact is i i wouldn't be where i am today you know you know without, without other people whether it's the teacher who told me i you know i should apply to oxford university um a very recent one, somebody proposed that I, you know, be on the the financial advisory roundtable of the New York Fed. Um, I don't know, I don't know who that was, but you know, I'm very grateful to that person. Um, at this point, you know, I have a solid body of achievements in my life, and and they create 
opportunities. They create opportunities to be exposed to new things, to new people, new ways of learning, uh, new ways in which I, I can help other people. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, my my network, or the, network to me is a thing that that puts me in the path of opportunity. And then the rest is up to me. And I mm. don't think you can ever, I don't think you can expect more than that. Um, so, you know, with my network, I would say two things. It's firstly, it's grown organically and, it, and over time. Um, but it, it's, it's also based solely on genuine connections, genuine mm. connections to those people and genuine connections to those organizations uh, um, as an as a fellow introvert, uh, you know, doing things that are transactional, that, that, that yeah. doesn't, that's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, that's not comfortable to me. And so the, the, I'd say, you know, my network is small, but, but it is, it is, it is very deep. And, um, um, you know, the people I've come into contact with most recently, whether it's people at the New York federal reserve, whether it's people at the U S Olympic foundation, I'm also a trustee. Uh, you know, th- these are people I, 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 I love being with them, uh, and I, I really believe in the job they're doing. That's lovely. I, I resonate so much with your point about you know a, a small but deep network because it's the value and, and the depth of those relationships that matter more than uh, the size of the network and how many people you know because it's not the numbers that matter. It's who's got your back, who gets you, who opens doors for you, and who you care about as well. Um, and uh, I think we're blessed to have incredible people in our communities that do that. Um, and I, I find that to be, you know, when you have a genuine connection, it just unfolds naturally from there where it's not forced. It's not the fake exchange of business cards and, and trying hard to, you know, uh, make a deal out of uh, a connection. You know, it's a, an interesting thing. I think you and I remember discussing it when we had lunch and we talked about mentors. You, you mentioned at the beginning of this question um many of the people who i consider mentors to me professionally probably don't even know that that <laughs> i saw them that way yeah. and that's the mentorship doesn't have to be some one-on-one thing where you know you you're spending time together on a on a regular basis um you know, i think certainly for female executives you know if you're hoping to to find someone like that, especially in your own image and in, in finance, you know, right now it is it's still going to be a numbers game that that's that's unfortunately not on your side. But the, you know, the great thing about just observing people, uh, I like the way that they conduct themselves uh, in certain types of discussion. I like the way that they go about solving a problem. I like the way that they um, can build a consensus around an idea. You can have this, uh, you know, chimera. Uh, of of mentors and you can uh, if you're around again if you're around good people there's lots and lots of of of, of mentorship available and it doesn't doesn't have to mm-hmm. be formal in the slightest um, that that's such an important recommendation uh, and uh, you know uh, it's important not to get caught up in uh, you know the familiarity bias of looking for someone like you that you're comfortable with and only wanting to learn from them because in most cases you're you're less likely to find someone like that. I think it was a uh, Condoleezza Rice that once remarked about how if I was looking for a mentor who looked like me, I'd still be waiting. Yes. Uh, and and it's <laughs> so true in her line of work. She was the first of her kind, but because of that, she was able to open doors. And and it's uh, you can learn from anyone, and uh, you know, focus on 
who uh, inspires you and who you can emulate, even if it's not a formally established mentorship relationship. Great point. Um, uh, I, I wanted to um, learn a little bit more about the recent move to Miami. Um, what what led to that decision? And uh, you know, I'm also curious personally for you, moving uh, you know to uh, sunny Miami. What's it been like personally and professionally? So I, I you know, I think there's um, been enough written in the press about Citadel's exit from Chicago and why. You know, I would say that you know my, the founder of our firm and other partners of the firm, the firm itself, were contributed a lot to the city during the time they were there. Uh, it, it was not a, well, always reciprocated. Um, but look, I think more deeply than that, we the, we're in Miami, and I came to Miami because this is one of the places where the future of our firm is going to be. It's one of the places where, like all great global cities, New York, somewhere in, in, in Europe, um, it's a place where you will find talent and it's a place where talent wants to be. And those two things mm. are extremely important to to the future of, 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 of any business, really. So really, it's, it's, it, was, uh, it was really all about the talent and hiring in Chicago was becoming increasingly difficult. Um, what's it like in Miami? I, I, I love the energy here. I love... It's still finding its own equilibrium. Like so, so <laughs> some things are maybe run, running a little bit too fast, and and I'm sure, uh, as I say, it will find its equilibrium in the in the future. But to be around that energy, to be around a city mm. which uh, wants to grow and move forward, it's a really refreshing change to going to work every day in downtown Chicago, which was uh, largely deserted and hollowed out. It, it was. For me personally, it was depressed and depressing. Um, whereas being here is a very different feel. We are uh, we've just taken occupancy of one of our new buildings in New York City. In fact, the you know the new risk center for uh, for Citadel. I'm going to be we're going to be doing the ribbon cutting on that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and again, uh, you know th this is this is the sort of commitment we make. We have world class workspaces. Where everyone can be together, they're going to be in in you know some of the world's most exciting cities. Where um, if you're a smart person, you're looking to build a career, you want to be in one of those cities. You want to you know be working in one of our workspaces. Lovely. I am excited about the space in Miami and and the upcoming space in New York. That's very cool. Um, let's um, get to the wrap up for all of the things you've shared here. Um, you know, throughout such uh, an incredible career, what is the most helpful advice that you've received? Um, and likewise, if you had to share a piece of advice for uh, early to mid-career women who are ambitious and wanting to advance in their careers, what would that be? Um, so... I tend not to give much advice because I tend not to ask for it. And and so <laughs> but so one thing I would say is um, be really selective in who you ask for advice. I, I, you know, seriously, you know, don't don't run your life like like a straw poll. Um, <laughs> I, I I think it's really important to try and develop a strong internal sense of direction uh, and strong boundaries, so that when you do feel genuinely at a loss 
about how to proceed, um, you'll know who to trust with that moment. And, and they will know that you're asking something really important and, and they'll give it the time it deserves. But one piece of very helpful feedback I received, and it was, a, it was in a 360 assessment only about three months after I joined Citadel. Uh, and this one piece of feedback, I'm going to paraphrase it. It said something like, stop observing so much, trust your instincts and go. And the go was in capital letters <laughs> with an exclamation mark. And I thought that was really interesting because you know, this is obviously someone who well, hadn't known me for that long, but, but obviously did know me uh, and could mm -hmm. see that maybe I was being just a little bit, you know, too tentative in things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, I was hired for a reason, for certain qualities, and it, they knew me well enough to see that maybe I was being a little bit hesitant on that and to just, mm. just get straight back on it. Ah, I, I love that. That's great feedback of, uh, you know, uh, learning to just trust your instinct and go, because sometimes uh, indecision can uh, lead to inertia and uh, the ability to just take action and, and trust yourself can be applied in all parts of life and work. Um, all right, so let's move on to the lightning round. Um, I'm so curious to hear your answers to these. Um, so let's start with uh, the first one. What book has greatly influenced you? The Double Helix. And, uh, and, and every time I read it, actually, I, my sympathies with, with the characters change a lot. <laughs> um, what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? If you don't have time to do it right, when are you going to find the time to do it over? <laughs> I had not heard that one. I love it. Um, what is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself? Impatient. Mm. What is one change, uh, perhaps a habit or behavior that you implemented that made your life better? Uh, not implemented, but ingrained i love i love schedules i love strong routines i love preparing for things uh i spend a lot of time in the outdoors and the funnest thing for me is preparing all my gear before i go out so mm. uh, I, I think that that has other advantageous uh qualities in the other bits of my life mm. preparation is everything uh, what power song would you want playing as you walk out on stage you know, I think people in the corporate world should stay totally away from themselves. <laughs> I just think about like Succession and Kendall Roy. Um, but when I when I used to powerlift, uh, we to kind of like whip up the crowd and and maybe have some sort of impact on the lifters as well. We used to have an MC who used to play songs all the time, and uh, and and the one they used to play for me a lot was 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 Thunderstruck by ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I love it. It, uh, it, it totally matches. I love it. Uh, well, this has been fantastic, Joanna. What a wonderful uh, conversation. And uh, thank you for sharing the insights of your career journey and the choices you've made that have propelled you to um, the incredible career you're at right now. And I'm excited for uh, continued successes for you and Citadel. Um, the past few years, uh, any indicator, I think the future is even brighter. And uh, it's because of leaders like you and the incredible teams and talent you attract. So thank you for being on the Beyond Barriers show. We're, uh, you know, here rooting for your success. 
No, thank you, and, and thanks, you know, thanks for providing this resource uh, to to you know to, to women, people at all stage in their career, really anybody who wants to listen, uh, I, I would recommend. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.